Hello, no one is available to take your call. Please leave a message after the tone. Hey guys, Jason Elstrup here from downtown Madison, Inc. Saw you on the bus again, Dan. Remember, I'm the guy that was just creepily hanging outside of your studios with the weird sign. Thought I'd reach out. I really think I'd make a great guest on the Forwards Backwards pod. Give me a call back. Hey, Jason again. Just checking, I thought I got a message from you guys yesterday. Don't really know. I still think I'd be an awesome guest. Just wanted to check back in. I have lots of enthusiasm, and I am a season ticket holder. Hey, uh, Jason again. It's been about 15 minutes. I I just walked out, and I thought I saw a message, but I hadn't heard back from you guys. I'm assuming you guys called back. I must have been the missed call. Maybe we can work out some sort of trade or something. Like, I can offer the keys to downtown. Maybe I can offer you a couple of keys to downtown. I can get you in a couple places that might be not open off hours, if you know what I'm saying. Hey, um, it's Jason again. Uh, Still haven't heard back from you guys. I'm just kind of making me think maybe you don't want me on the pod. But I am sitting outside of your house, Dan. Um, I'm thinking maybe we do a parade. Does that sweeten the pod anything? Downtown Madison could sponsor a forward backwards day, and we could arrange for the governor and the mayor to carry you on their shoulders down State Street. What's with the red and blue lights behind me? Hey, guys. Uh... Some things have happened here. It's Jason from downtown Madison, Inc. Apparently, um, they picked me up for stalking you. I'm not much of an attorney, more of a legal stylist, but I think I might be in trouble here. But, But I'm using my one call to call you guys to see if I can get on the pod. I think this is my only call, so if you don't mind calling my wife, too, that would be great. But if you guys don't mind coming to my court date and tell them I really am not crazy, but I, I really just want to get on this pod. Please? Please. No, no. I, I got to go. Okay. Bye. Welcome back to Forwards Backwards Pod here at the Give Me Some Truth Studios on the corner of Glenway and Monroe. As always, I'm Keith Ponywazd and joined by the scrappy to my Scooby-Doo, Dan Fallon, to discuss Tucson, rivalries, and pod-offs. Dan, how awesome was last week's podcast? Probably the best one we've done. I mean, just... Uh, from the tactical analysis to the to the jokes to the um, to the I mean we actually we talked about a bar in Madison that I don't think anyone's ever been to and might be the greatest bar in Madison but that was last week's pod and so we can't gone. talk about it's it lost. it's gone it's now, lost to the now, ages uh, first we do have to apologize to Amanda Klinkner yes. who came on the pod graciously offered her time and her segment did not air because of the uh, complete recording. ineptitude of Keith Paniwas. No, to be clear, no, and I think no, Amanda no. and Amanda, I think, will back this up as soon as she hears this pod. I expect her to to weigh in on Facebook because she was watching you just flail about like a Look, like a uh, I don't amateur say, Moby trying to work <laughs> levels and record. I, I don't want to say uh, I was the victim of a far flung conspiracy. Oh, this isn't like you know maybe at the same level of. Uh, as Stevie Wonder is not blind, but there was <laughs> I some. I didn't know that that was a. You were not aware of that conspiracy. No, it was Google not. it. It's one of my all-time favorite conspiracy theories. Okay, so it's kind of like when the Big Lebowski when he uh, pulls the guy out of the wheelchair. 
Exactly. Not cool. Bomani Jones from from, uh, ESPN is a big fan of this conspiracy. So I'm not saying that there was a giant conspiracy to corrupt the audio files and maybe make it impossible for last week's pod to get out. But we did mess with Texas, and they have some friends in the league office. So, again, not saying there was a conspiracy, but there may have been a conspiracy to silence us. They have friends in the MLS office. Indeed, who... Who are big fans of silencing fans. So... I, you know, do the math. Do the one math. plus one equals fuck off MLS. Why'd you ruin our podcast? Exactly. You're already ruining everyone else's fun. Yeah. Leave us alone down here in USL. We're kind of trying to do our own thing. Uh, we're also joined by Neil Havati, who's going to talk about uh, rivalry matches. Very and, excited uh, about having his name right next to the two leagues. Yeah. Uh, right up against yep. that as we made fun so of So we may have killed his future professional prospects in U.S. soccer. We apologize for that, Neil. Many thanks. Doing what we can. Always. Uh, and then we're finally... We're here to make you look good, which is hard. Finally, we're joined by Mike Quito, uh, who is going to discuss today in Forward Madison history, uh, as well as if, whether forward fashion is fashion forward, and the new Flock the Vote campaign, which will kick off at our November 9th pod-off. And we have details about the pod-off, and we'll talk more about that. But November 9th, 7 to 9 p.m., Argus Athletic Club in the basement, uh, also close to my birthday. So I've already been in talks with the official mother of the pod about maybe some birthday cake. Wow. Yeah. So it's going to be a a big, big day. Mom of the pod, coming in with the cake. Uh, Chocolate eclair cake, which is so Midwestern, hmm. it'll boggle your mind. I'm just letting you know that it is the most Midwestern thing in existence. I'm so, a New York guy, so I'm into the Carvel cakes, ice cream cakes. Anyone out there from the East Coast? Car- Carvel is for suckers. Fudgy the whale. Delicious. <laughs> for suckers. So uh, Getting before, a nod from Hannah. What we did want to do is, because we got you know conspiracy theory corrupted last week's podcast, uh, we did want to... Uh, uh, share Optali's statistic from last week because it did summarize, I think, which was on the front of everybody's mind, uh, Keith's appearance on The Dating Game. Hey, everybody. This is Optali, and this week I'll be looking at some very important stats from the history books at Bree Stevens Field. Sunday's match attendance of 4,315 people meant that Forward wrapped up the home schedule with an average gate of 4,292 fans at each of the home games this season. This was the highest figure in USL League One and actually projects to be better than 20 of the 36 teams in the USL Championship as well. That average attendance of 4,292 is also just over double the estimated 2,100 fans who attended the first ever night baseball game in Wisconsin played at Bree Stevens on July 7, 1930. That event was so successful that floodlights were permanently installed the following season, ensuring more baseball and giving fans the opportunity to watch strikeouts for years to come. Speaking of a few thousand Madisonians watching men strike out, Sunday's match also featured the first halftime dating game, and one of this podcast's hosts was a contestant. Fortunately for the eligible bachelorette, she chose someone else. Better luck next season, Keith. Well, that's all of the very important takeaways that I had from this week. Enjoy the stats, everybody. So, well, and I, I did want to say, I still thought Keith was a lock to win because it fits squarely into his soccer kink. 
I just want to say, before we talk too much about people's marriages, we are literally in a glass studio. So, I mean, throw stones by all means, but just be aware of the surroundings. Yeah, it's true. Well, you know, and and as always, you're welcome to join us here on Monday evenings at the corner of Glenway and Monroe. Uh, Today's show style, if you're lucky, you may uh, eventually wrangle an appearance on the pod like Jason Illstrup from downtown Madison, Inc. Maybe we'll be kinder to you than than that. Uh, so we're gonna we have a lot to talk about. A very busy weekend in Forward Madison kind of life and and goings on. There was the general meeting Sunday. There was the uh, uh, f- gala on Saturday, and and Mike graciously is gonna chat a little bit about that at the tail end of the pod. Uh, the big thing kind of dominating conversation, and uh, I'd like to claim inventing this hashtag, is hashtag Breeze Stevens East. Because what's coming up? What's going on? What's happening Saturday, Dan? Uh, I don't know. Oh, Saturday, bus October trip. 5th? Is that the bus trip? That would be the bus trip, sure. Dan. Yeah. I know about that. <laughs> Are you, have you been drinking before the pod? Uh, it, was, it was, come on. It was for dramatic effect. Dramatic effect? Yeah, yeah. The bus trip. Uh, let's see. Two full buses filled Check. with beer. Check. Uh, some people biking. Check. Not doing that. Uh, people Mike, flying. Uh, not not I'm biking. No, I'll be beering. Okay, yeah, good. Yeah. yeah. I was actually giving a lot of thought today about, like, how do you make this day kind of work? Because, uh, you know, it's like 5 a.m., you got to make some strategic think, decisions on like when you start jumping into certain and, things. And mind you, that's departing at 5. So we Correct. all need to be there before 5. Yeah, so four fifty nine. The bus is leaving late. And change. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, we travel a lot. When you say five, you're not gathering that group of people that time. I, I mean, it. You uh, don't I, think a hundred fans getting ready to go on an away day are going to be locked and loaded at four fifty five, ready to get on those buses? Neil? I, I want to see it loaded. on Twitter if it is. Okay, we will be. Oh, there will be some Twitter going on 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 Saturday. Um, but yeah, it's going to be mean, the what? bathroom on. I just want to say the bathroom on the bus. Is critical because the the mini well, it's both critical and a little little scary. But um, the minibus had no bathroom, so that required many stops. This to is empty one's bathroom, bladder right? of honey. We're gonna have bathrooms. I believe there are okay. bathrooms. And, are like and actual you and I are in the VIP section, right, of the bus. Correct. You mean in the bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna say define the rules of the bathroom early on in the trip. No number twos. I mean, I think that goes without saying, right? Does it? it? Whatever bus I'm on is a no number two bus. I mean, <laughs> let's just hope as well that the bathroom doesn't function like some of those Lower East Side bathrooms that we remember from our days in, in New York where they wouldn't actually close because of the illicit. They didn't want people doing illicit substances in them. I have a great story about that. 86 that- Mets, well known for their, le- their love of cocaine. One of the guys on the team who everyone thought did not do cocaine, they were on a bus between games, hit a big bump on the highway, door swings open, there he is. And they were like, who, who was dude, I, I think it was Gary Carter. I think it was the kid. But they never revealed it? They did not in the book that I uh, read, okay. no. Uh, um, but yeah. When the Bad Guys Won, was that the book? Uh, I thought this was, this may have been the Davy Johnson book, oh, Bat, okay. Bats. Okay. Or so maybe that would have been even 85. Uh, maybe by the way, uh, Dan, no matter what happens... Just having a chance at the playoffs means that forward Madison is a much more uh, choice selection and rooting interest than the New York Mets. That is true. That is true. We were not out of contention by May 1st. But former Madison Mallard, Pete Alonzo, now the 
rookie home run king of uh, Major League Baseball. He spent a summer here playing for the Mallards and now is hitting dingers for the Mets. All right, I think we've wasted enough of all of your time, especially believe- since we've got a, a lot of stuff we want to talk yeah, I can't about with Mike about the and Mets. Neil. I'm very happy. Uh, this is sad. <laughs> New lows for this podcast. Uh, wanted to get into the Tucson match recap. Must and we? 1-1 draw out in, in, in scenic Tucson. I think 635 fans. Was that the number? Yeah, in attendance. So uh, there are going to be more of you, I think, flocking to East Lansing. Hashtag Breeze Stevens East. Uh, for that, then we're at uh, at that that match on on Friday night. Uh, pretty good crowd as well uh, attending at Next Door Brewing, Mike. Oh yeah, it was packed. So uh, congratulations. Also, on... probably more people there than at the game in there Tucson. Definitely more people than I saw streaming on ESPN Plus <laughs> than at that Toronto match uh, <laughs> when we played in Toronto. The one at three o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, yeah. 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 Toronto, I don't think actually reveals their attendance figures. They for... say two hundred for every match. I believe it is. Is that how many parents they get? I think that's how many staff are at the training facility. (laughs) So, uh, you know, as I always do, I went literary to describe uh, Friday night's match, and I was reminded of something by a famous dramatist, maybe you've heard of him, uh, William Shakespeare, who said, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. Uh, That's kind of how I felt about that match on Friday night. Nothing really changed in terms of playoff positioning. Uh, you know, there was there were some good chances that that Madison had, but ultimately, you know, uh, a tie didn't clinch, didn't knock anybody out, really didn't make a huge difference. Uh, anything, Dan, that you noticed right up front that you wanted to mention? Well, I, you know, I think I've mentioned this. Maybe I haven't mentioned this. I did want to just give uh, one shout out at the top to the to the announcer. Um, who's been doing a lot of our matches lately. I think he's basically kind of assigned assigned to us. Um, you know, probably a young guy coming up in the announcing game, cutting his teeth on third division soccer. However, this dude knows what's going on in Madison. He actually shouted out the flock at Nextdoor Brewing Company, shouted out the Wasatch Mingos. I mean, I, I just want to say, like, he's he's obviously doing his homework. He's At other games, he's noted, you know, that the Badger game was going on. And um, it just, uh, you know, for a team that I think we all, like, feel this community around the team, I think he's also kind of bought into that in terms of, like, how he announces our matches. So I did, I did want to give him a shout-out on that. Um, the other thing, when is J.C. Banks going to score – the best goal of the season because again that little flick would have been ridiculous and that's probably the third or fourth time he's almost had a goal that would have just been by far our best goal of the season and, and i you know it yeah. allowed actually that touch i had i had now noted uh allows me to use one of my favorite soccer related adjectives that was a very cheeky touch in the third minute and it also opens up you know we we have talked a lot about uh, Don Smart. We've talked a lot about uh, you know Josie L. Nunez. I don't think we've talked a lot about the contributions of of uh, of Banks, pardon of J. C. Banks, yeah. and you know part of that is the role that he plays in the team. Um, I think he's more of a pure number eight than a lot of those other guys, and is always sort of positioning himself in relationships to his teammates. But he had a great game. I think in Friday night, yeah, and between that touch, uh, had a, a great header to open up the the second half on a, a serve uh, from yeah. uh, Manly. I think that was yeah, that was the second mm-hmm. ball in Don. Um, I think uh, Don steamed in the ball to uh, that ended up 
with Tenorio. I think right. Carter oh, yeah, played yeah, the ball yeah, the Carter second played ball. The, yeah. yeah. And so I think that's one of the things that maybe J.C. Banks hasn't gotten the credit from us. Uh, elsewhere, you've said, Neil, he's one of the guys that really makes the team team function. Yeah, motor. from a... From a fan perspective, a supporter's perspective, it's he does things that don't always get noticed. He yeah. plays very simple. He makes the right decisions the majority of the game. So a lot of times those things aren't flashy. So as fans, it's sometimes it's not. You're just attracted to him right away. But as a as a coach, you're you're like that guy's on the team sheet first up there every week because he unlocks other teams. He makes mm-hmm. it easy for us to play. He makes Josiel look better. He makes everyone else look better. And Credit to JC, he's done a ton of work alongside Eric um, defensively since we kind of went into this run of form after the last 10, 12 games where we haven't really conceded much, and he works his socks off defensively to make sure we're compact and structured in the midfield with Eric. Yeah, and he filled in, I think, in the six earlier Mm -hmm. in the season in the holding midfield role, and also, I think you just pointed it out, you know, given, you know, the, you know, kind of the interlocking pieces of Don, Paolo, Josiel, and Danny, I think he he provides a lot more tactical discipline in the middle of the pitch that allows those guys to go out there and do that, but then also pops up in the other team's box, getting shots off. He also seems to be in like every collision, like he's always getting knocked out, knocked over, hitting guys. Uh, but again, I think it's his willingness to do all that work to to provide a platform for a lot of our flair players to let them go and do what they're paid to do. Yeah, I think what you said, Neil, is right on on point there. When you look at J.C. Banks, yeah, he's contributed some goals, cr- contributed just some just amazing little touches that he should have had, you know, great goals on. Mm-hmm. But he does a lot of that work off the ball and makes I think Eric's life a lot easier in terms of distribution because he knows where he can always find J.C. Right. Yeah, and he pops up in great areas in the box a lot and. Unfortunately, some of those haven't fallen for him, but you you like to see it um, coming into the end of this year, and you know the the possibilities for it next year. But he gets in some spots, man, and they're going to fall soon for him. So they're going to be – there's three games left, hopefully, and they're going to be some important goals for him and for this club. Yeah, and even the goal that we got, I mean, a a veteran move, like noticing the ball getting played long and just making a run and hoping somebody flicks it on. I'm going to say I thought it was a little bit of a soft penalty, soft but penalty. but you know what? You put yourself in a position like that. The guy puts two hands on you. You're making the referee make a decision. We've gotten no calls like that all year. So like I, I saw it and I was like, penalty. Eh, that didn't look like a penalty, but I was like, you know what? We deserve it. Whatever. It Only our really second penalty all year. So yeah. uh, another guy that I think we, we talk a lot about his off the field contributions and maybe a little less and his defensive contributions. But in the 24th minute, Connor Tobin. Decides to channel Franz Beckenbauer and goes on this weaving run through through their defense. Just can't believe it. I've never seen anything like that. And Dan, if Connor Tobin is charging at you at top speed, are you just jumping out of the Oh, way? you run and hide. Yeah, you're not. You run and hide. That guy's full of Whataburger. He is barreling down at you. You get out of the way. He's 6'3". What a burger! Six five. Six I think five. he's six five. No comment. Uh, six six three six seven. This is why he was Neil. This is why he was Neil's heavy. Neil yeah. has seen Connor Tobin at full gate, just striding through the midfield. And all kidding aside, I actually thought both of our center backs a little bit more positive play out of the back mm-hmm. uh, with the ball at their feet. Um, Sean had a, actually, you know, shout out to Sean. He, he's he does well with both feet. He's he's. 
Uh, I think he's naturally lefty. Correct. And uh, a couple of decent distributions with his right foot yesterday. Mm-hmm. Or the other, sorry, I rewatched it yesterday from uh, Friday night. Um, I did want to ask, what was the atmosphere like at uh, next door? Reaction to a 1 1 draw that didn't really change much, Mike? Uh, it was loud, vibrant, and unwavering. Nice. A- as always. <laughs> Had Fair to enough. do that. There was absolute. Yeah. There was absolutely no negativity that. expressed verbally in any way whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I saw the result. Uh, I wasn't able to watch the match live on Friday, but you know, I thought, okay, that's you know, it's fine. We beat North Texas at home. A draw on the road is fine, and off we go to Lansing. Yeah. Uh, so is that they, pretty much the team talk? I mean, yeah. I mean, it's a it's an interesting one going into it because you can just get there's emotional up and downs to it when you know yeah. if you win you're in, but if you draw you're still good. So it's not like you want to go and lose or completely open yourselves up so it's managing moments of the match and once we got back in it it's like okay let's go for it for a while and then the second half it was just wasn't tons of quality on either side and you're hoping for something first three minutes had some chances and then after that it's still played well defensively but we didn't uh didn't create as much as we hoped for and I for one was rather cross with Tucson because when I had to sit at home and watch them play Greenville the week before when they couldn't score to you know save their souls when it could have actually given them a playoff chance no they had to wait to play (laughs) us uh to actually learn how to play soccer so hey (laughs) that's cool guys and they and from from our standpoint i thought other i mean there was basically that two or three minute period where they got the goal where it was just like all of a sudden it was like just laying siege to the goal but otherwise you know a couple of half chances here and there which was really the case with the game Overall, I mean, Danny had the great chance, obviously, at the beginning of the second half. But it was a lot of, like, balls into the box. You know, Connor had that one header. Mm-hmm. Someone else, I can't remember, at the back post had a, had a header. Maybe been Carter. Uh, I forget who it was in the Paolo. first half. Paulo, yeah. yeah. So, But otherwise, I think, like you said, not a whole lot of quality in the second so half. So let's, let's take a quick look at their, their goal. As you pointed out, I think it came against a run of play. Forward had the majority of the possession. Maybe not, uh, you know, the clear-cut chances we would have hoped for other than that, that cheeky little touch there from J.C. Banks early on. Uh, basically, it opened up from a just killer strike from outside of the box that Silvestra did well to parry and just never cleared, right? The phase of play never yeah. changed. Yep. And Madison was out of shape. Uh, Tobin came out to close down the defender, popped the cross in, Sean, Sean Russell didn't track his man yeah. perhaps as well as he should have yeah, there. I think Sean just kind of got pulled out of position a little bit, lost the guy in the flight of the ball, just completely takes him out of the play. And then he, he buried it. I yeah. mean, and there's that was, you know, if you're looking at it, it he, he misjudged, I think, that cross a little bit. But otherwise, you know, a, a kind of blip in yeah. what I think Madison looked like the better team. Yeah, and this is definitely a homer comment here. There was a... If you spin it back about two and a half minutes, Don looks like he gets fouled with the ball on the sideline. Questionable whether it was foul or not. Uh, And I I remember thinking like, oh, this is going to lead to the goal because I kind of knew what time the goal was coming at. But then there was like a few phases of play. So at some point you got to be like, okay, you know, we had multiple chances to clear the ball. But, you know, maybe maybe a tough call that went against us that kind of ends up leading to that goal. But again, that's that's going to happen 10 times in a game and you got to be able to, to deal with it. But. Yeah, I mean, kind of a scrappy goal. Good save from Brian. I mean, I thought the, I thought the save was good save, but yeah, just never able to kind of get the ball out of the box and clear the danger. And um, that's what happens. You're moving side to side, and you know, lose the guy, and he heads it in. Yeah, I mean, 
changed the game. Obviously, goals change games. But with thinking back on it and the end result, taking a 1-1 on the road, if you would have obviously time of the year is important. But yeah, you take a 1-1 on the road any time of the year. Um, but if we're only conceding one goal the rest of the way, yeah, I think we should have faith in our team that we're we're going to be able to score two. Um, so. And that's where the game kind of changed too. Where listen, they score one against the run of play. It makes our guys react in a way where it says, "Okay, let's go and get one. Let's focus a little more, get back into it." So, if we if we give up one in the next game, I'm confident we can get two or three and score. So it's not it was it wasn't anything anyone was pressured over or freaking out about. Yeah. Uh, soft PK, as we mentioned, Don Smart took it well. Anything else to? I mean, not much to add there, really. No, no, it was a good penalty. Um, and uh, I, I, I do want to point out, we've talked a lot about you either take the man or the ball. Turbo, that yellow card in the second half. I Great was tackle. Gr- grinning from ear to ear as a defender. That is, that is a tackle. That is how you make sure you get the ball or the man. In this case, only the man. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty clearly the man. So Connor, Connor showing both sides of his game, both offensively and defensively and and apparently leads the league in clearances which is one of those stats that you could probably take both ways uh but i think this this match showed what he can and are we going to have a stats debate uh (laughs) dear god no the the pot is bad enough i thought it was more of a euphemism sorry (laughs) uh Second half, uh, we had those two chances to open up. Attack mm-hmm. came down the right side. One thing that uh, we wanted to ask a little bit about is later on in the half, Paulo Jr. worked out on the right, and that seems like at, at various points during the season, you guys have flipped Don and Paulo. Uh, was that a, a decided tactical decision here, or was it a uh, kind of just result of, of how players flowed through the, the middle of the field. Yeah, more so result of the flow of the game and just allowing our front three to have a little freedom as they build. Um, and Paulo ended up there for a portion of time, and that was a side we exploited when we were playing well. So it was something we kind of wanted to get back after. Carter did well down that side. Paulo had a few flurries, and like you said, first three minutes of the second half was all down the right side. Yeah. So yeah. it just kind of worked out that way, and – if it, if it's going like that and it's working out, we're not going to say anything from the bench to switch it back. Yeah. So pretty much all we have on that match, I think there wasn't too much else in that second half that y- it was, to use our favorite adjective, turgid. Yeah. Uh, not a lot of quality. Uh, kind of wasted it out. I will say my favorite uh, third division soccer moment of the match was very late in the match when the ball got cleared over our bench and Oliver White had to hop a fence and run up into their empty bleachers because <laughs> there was no one there to go get the ball. And he's, you know, great hustle from Oliver. But I was like, can't somebody, like, go get the ball? What the heck? Speaking of D3 kind of moments, before we turn to kind of Lansing to get a right. couple of comments from you, Neil, about that match and the tactics, I do want to point out, on Saturday, we play at 4 o'clock. 2 o'clock. 2 o'clock. 3 o'clock their time. 3 o'clock their time. And then the other match that decides playoff implications with Chattanooga is at like six o'clock. I mean, again, we try not to bring up gambling on this podcast. And I think the butcher of Gdansk would hope you didn't because I think he's got money riding on this. But again, everywhere in the world, right? Last day of the season, you play at the same time to eliminate any sort of conflicts, right? That match is different if you're playing it where you have to win or you don't. 
And I just, you know, USL has 4 million people working there. Uh, all of the, <laughs> you know, all of the various, you know, other podcasts of, of the independent community complain about, you know, oh, how much money they all pay to yeah. join that league. And it's so professionalized. And they can't get what I would call a very basic kind of thing. I don't, I don't mean to be a shill for ESPN Plus unless it gets me a free subscription. <laughs> uh, but if I were not hopping on a bus to go to Lansing, I would be thrilled that I could watch four USL League One matches back to back to back while uh, drinking at home. Counterpoint. That's, counterpoint. <laughs> it's for the fans. They point, get us. Point, point counterpoint. Uh, welcome to the onion. Well, Jane, I, you ignorant slut. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I do want to, like, Keith made the joke about four million. That, that actually was, their, USL has, like, a massive central office. That is actually not a joke. Like, that is actually one of the, one of the complaints about said league. Um, I mean, I think we know that this game got moved because Michigan State's playing Michigan or Michigan State's playing Ohio State. So there's there's some big some big American gridiron football match, uh, and they didn't want to go against them. And so I think that game's at seven o'clock or six o'clock or something like that. So they wanted to avoid that. You know, I'm with you. I don't really know. I'm sure the league was just like, whatever. We don't care. They saved us on hotel rooms. That is, we it, can go forward or backward or yeah. backwards forward. Thank you for we? the shout out to the pod. Uh, yeah, good to use uh, in one day. It, it is, and five a.m. Five a.m. Yeah. So one of the things you know we had we had complimented uh, Connor's performance uh, in the match, forward and backwards, getting you know getting up on that Franz Beckenbauer esque run. Franco Baresi, another good Ooh. defender on the Jean Matip. Ooh, very nice. Tobin didn't play against Lansing early in the year. And so what else do you think is different from this, you know, the 3-2 match, which sent Dan into paroxysms of, of rage, uh, declared that Madison should never concede again. <laughs> uh, what else is different from... And set them off. I mean, they've been on it. They've been on a tear. Yeah, that, yeah. Was a, that was a wild match. But yeah, that was one where we had multiple games in a short area of time, and yeah. we've kind of learned from the Open Cup run where we wanted to rest some bodies Um didn't work out exactly as planned. Should have came away from the match with points, but yeah. I think we made six changes yeah. that day, uh, maybe seven. Um, guys that we knew could come in and do a job, but it was one of the wildest endings to a match that I'd ever seen. Yep. Um, would have loved to take a point away, but yeah, Connor didn't play. Um, different pairings all over the field that of guys who hadn't played together a lot. They'd played together before, so um, we've had a lot of continuity in our lineup lately, which... Mm-hmm. Will allow some better things on their awesome field, <laughs> and uh, so yeah, we're kind of we're excited for it. We're going to train to the dimensions of their field this week and kind of map that out so we know exactly what to expect when we when Does we head it in there. Change the strategy when you have to make sure you don't trip over the pitcher's mound. Is that a thing? <laughs> uh, well, I wanted to know if you're just practicing in the East High School gym. <laughs> Can they it's put just, sod over the floor? <laughs> I think that would be accurate. Yeah, but uh, yeah, we'll get on grass a few days this week to to kind of replicate with what they have going on there and just to see the feel of it. But yeah, we're excited to go back there. I mean, it's not where you don't want to play your last game on the road, but if there's anywhere we kind of want to play it, it's 
Why not against Lansing? So when you look down the sidelines to call Louis Bennett in, are you going to tap your left arm and be like, give me the lefty. <laughs> give me the lefty. Give me the lefty. We're closing it down. Maybe this Mets conversation we had at the top of the pod actually was prophetic. For, yeah, foreshadowing. Let's not bring up our closer, Edwin Diaz. Oh, boy. What a scrub. So this is, I think, becoming a, a rivalry match, though. Really, is it a rivalry where we're going to go and have more fans <laughs> in their stands than they are? Hashtag Bree Stevens East. But I got to do a shout out for the assembly line because they are coordinating the entire. They are yeah. very graciously hosting way more fans than they have, <laughs> and coordinating the entire tailgate, making sure the food is there. Uh, like that is that is a class organization, yeah. uh, I- and I hope that when after we beat them and when we continue to bust next season, they'll have more and more fans, and yeah. we can and and then they can bust to us. Yeah. I was I was thinking like I mean they're not they, Chattanooga when they originally yeah, that's true they are not Chattanooga who had two hundred and thirty five fans at their game yeah um, they All in white hoods uh, uh, oh whoa hello mm. um, <laughs> uh, I was thinking like when when Lansing agreed to this it's like oh cool we'll, like make a few burgers for yeah. the, and they're like holy <laughs> shit we have to feed a hundred and fifty people where where are we getting this money from like we're gonna have to like from go to us. like a yeah. church basement <laughs> and eat big ziti. <laughs> That's a Long Island thing. Here it's uh, egg salad salad. I think and, uh, egg salad salad. That sounds amazing. Salad. Yeah. By the flock. It's it's a lot of filler. There's Cool Whip involved replacing the eggs. All right, I'm in. Yeah. That. Yeah. I'm in. I'm in. Uh, so, but it, it's turning into a rivalry match, Neil. And one of the things that we like to kind of dive into with you are mm. in lower league soccer. What's the the best? rivalry you've been a part of any memorable kind of derbies or rivalry matches from your from your playing career yeah rivalries are pretty tough in lower league soccer just one because of the changeover in rosters so you see players moving from one city to the next frequently so I always say that there's there's some rivalries between players of clubs and then there's rivalries between fans. So without without history really, there's tough to have rivalry. Yep. There's tough to have a derby when you don't have multiple teams in a city or of close nature. Um, so like going back to my NSL days, there was always a pretty good so-called rivalry with Carolina Railhawks, and that was just due to like this league, the amount of games you play against each other, where you're having these heated battles on the field with guys who are sometimes your friends, sometimes you fucking hate them (laughs) and you meet them one day before you get into the playoffs and then you meet them in the first round and then you see them the first game of the opening year the next year and it's just like all right this is built up but fans don't see anything of that um so that's tough uh when i played in canada a good one was in the canadian championship edmonton versus anyone else in canada um (laughs) canadians love their rivalry you see that in hockey yeah um it's amazing so we played uh, the Montreal Impact at, at home one year in Edmonton, amazing turnout. Uh, then had him away and took him a goal away from us going to the final, and that was. And everybody in Canada kind of dislikes Montreal, right? That's the word. I'm not Canadian, but I mean, I love being there. They don't Montreal. Like, I thought great, they don't like in Calgary too, right? Because Calgary's like the Texas of uh, of uh, Canada. They're the oil, the oil barons. This is very true. But yeah, there was there's there's just something else built up around the game where even if there's this rivalry as a as a player, like you're just you're so up for it, even though there's this heated battle where it's I don't necessarily like dislike this other team, but the atmosphere around it just gets you going unlike anything else. What about your uh, matchups with uh, Connor Tobin in uh, America East? 
Yeah, there were some heated battles in the old <laughs> I 80s. think you told me you did not like him when you guys played against each no, other. No, I mean, we didn't really know each other, but there was this big blonde goon in the back just <laughs> heading balls 60 yards down the field. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to be a part of this. Did like, he also lead the league in clearances there? I don't know if we kept those kind of stats. <laughs> was but, there a BUBC college? Oh, uh, there was a big rivalry between, I mean, the whole university, but we used to kick off with BU versus BC in every opening match. Yeah. Um, and those were big. One year at our place, we had, I think, 5,000 fans. Um, down the down Com Ave, they didn't they didn't get as many. And sophomore year, we walked away with a two one overtime win with uh, five seconds left in the game. So that was a uh, nice. an absolute thriller. We uh, had a good time on our side of town. I hate Boston College. I'll put that on the record. Just making that declaration. Yep. Okay. Yep. Thanks Phil. for losing us the three Boston College <laughs> listeners we had. I think we were big in Boston until, especially. I don't know if you saw the Dropkick Murphys. There was an anti-fascism, anti-Nazi move from the the lead singer. Well done. So yeah. they're yeah. good people. So they're you know they're close to our heart there. But no no more BC fans apparently. Now I'm okay the other, with that. The other kind of rivalry that we've talked about, maybe not on the pod, are the rivalries that when you're playing club soccer in Chicago, you got to be a part of. And that's, I think as well, uh, kind of the hidden history of American soccer, really. Uh, and you played in some of these rivalry matches. Dan, though, you can't talk about them because we have a strict ban on talking about our own playing days on the pod. But these kind of crosstown rivalry matches yeah. between adult major or semi-pro teams. Poor mm-hmm. kids. Yeah. I mean, I, what you were alluding to, I won't go into it, but playing at some of the clubs in Milwaukee and um, the, yeah, the people just show up cause they want to yell at the other parents. Like oh, it's yeah. not even about the kids playing on the field after um, church on Sunday, after get, church. Yeah. That's where God everyone, time. And then you, you congregate at the yeah. local. And I played hall. at like a neutral club. So we were never kind of uh, on the other end of that. But you know, friends of mine that did play for some of the other clubs said, yeah, it was like under 11s and under 12s. There were police at the games to keep the fans apart, which I mean, is funny and also just a little little unsettling, but anyway. Yeah, there's there's quite a few stories of my youth and and, and having some some rivalries, so to speak. Um, two big clubs in Chicago, soccer's and Magic. Growing up, I was actually just speaking with the head coach of the the club, Chicago Magic, back in the day at the UW game, and uh, Mike Makovich, shout out to you, and I was just speaking of basically how those bloodbaths turned a lot of pros out. Uh, we had. I think 20 pros from two teams wow. come out of those two clubs at the same age group. So, um, yeah, but the parent side of it, like, I could have sworn that there was hatred, like, really strong hatred between the parents where they walk away almost celebrating more than the was kids. Was that Magic <laughs> Soccer's? What was, what was the rivalry in those? It was Magic? Yeah, Chicago and- Magic versus Chicago Soccer's. Yeah. And uh, we walked away from Chicago Soccer's, won seven straight state cups. That was my side. Shout out to myself and our club. But uh, and then going Neil into, is allowed to talk about his playing going into he's a professional kind of the, yeah. the amateur side, the, the semi pro uh, Chicago Metropolitan League, uh, some off seasons. I would play for um, the Polish Eagles or the Croatians or whoever wanted to slip me a couple hundred dollars in my pocket. And sometimes they whip out the Croatian national team kits and we're playing against the Serbs one week. And you have that rivalry. So that gets Intense. And and there were like several thousand people at it. That was an indoor match, right? Yeah, so playing at the Odium and indoor match Sunday afternoon and they show up with the drums, they show up drinking in the parking lots and you got to walk out as a team or you might get a bottle thrown at you. <laughs> you, you don't want to get picked off. No. Yeah. No. And those are the, you know, sort of rivalries we we alluded to in in Milwaukee as well. So mm-hmm. I think 
as well, part of this, you know, diving in with with you, Neil, is giving people a, a different perspective on what soccer in the United States can be like. I mean, there are these atmospheres that are fully charged and, you know, 125 people traveling to Lansing and, and yelling at the three guys that show up there is going to be awesome. But, you know, there, there there's a lot more to soccer in the United States than I think if you just follow MLS or you just follow mm-hmm. the, the sort of sanitized history of it, um, it that that goes on. Well said. Speaking of history, let's turn to our guest today. Hi. Mike Quito. Uh, who, what were you doing on today in Forward Madison history? Uh, I did want to say that it's hard to hear about those rivalries because I just want all the players to have fun. <laughs> I've heard that. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's so, so nice to listen to you <laughs> chanting things like, please don't mess with Texas at no, matches. No. <laughs> because we, we actually discussed this, and though Dan took credit for the, the T-shirt, uh, I gave you credit. Thank the you. chant originated with Mike. Apparently. And uh, a whole bunch of other city employees in a row. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, Which is a segue for what I was doing this day in Forward Madison history was preparing for the November uh, gubernatorial election. Uh, We had just finished up voter registration week, National Voter Registration Week, and uh, early voting was right around the corner. And I did not know we were getting a soccer team. So that speaks to something that we're going to unveil I'm doing dramatic hand motions for those of you playing at home. Uh, if you drove by on, on Monroe Street, you could see those dramatic <laughs> hand motions. Uh, we're going to unveil at the pot off the Flock the Vote campaign. And you talked about it yesterday at the general meeting. So first, uh, just describe really briefly the Flock the Vote kind of idea. And then tell us a little bit about what happened at the general meeting. Sure. Uh, the general meeting was great. Um, but yeah, to directly answer, so the Flock is one of the most diverse in terms of community, ethnicity, uh, race, gender, and where in town we live, uh, organizations that I have ever worked with, uh, which makes us a force multiplier for getting accurate nonpartisan information about the right to vote throughout our community. Uh, So we talked about people who are willing to learn how to help people register to vote and can we Uh, do some youth outreach like a mock election at a youth soccer game and engage children with being future voters and then sneak in good information to their parents uh, who might not come looking for information, but if we're there anyway, we'll say, you know, by the way, I moved. Do I need to Mm -hmm. re-register? So it's fantastic. We can partner with the city clerk's office um, and just make sure that we're out there and, and promoting democracy in our community. And one of the other things that I think even if you're a registered voter that you may not realize that elections require staff and they require people in their presence there. And, and so one of the things as well is getting election volunteers, people who in their community, maybe it, it's an area where we don't, there aren't as many staff people or volunteers to help run the elections. And or this neighbor- is a way, yeah. way you can, can contribute to your neighborhood yeah or neighborhoods with high numbers of renters or like the uw campus where the turnover of residents means that we have to constantly recruit new workers um and any resident of dane county can sign up to be a city of madison poll worker at cityofmadison.com slash eo and uh we will get you on the list and inquire about where in town you want to work and and really the the flock the vote i think campaign is less about us uh 
doing these things ourselves, but rather helping people if they're interested in helping promote, you know, elections, volunteer, et cetera, in touch with the other nonpartisan groups that that will provide more information and and so on. Yeah, there's never too much help and too many sources of accurate information. So what else happened at the at the general meeting? Uh, it was really impressive to go. We got reports from every committee and every supporter group. Um, we were able to announce that we ended up raising over $20,000 for charity this season, like for all of our different charitable partners, which was really flocking impressive. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There was an yeah. L in that. Um, for this sense. It's also fucking impressive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, both. Thank you, Dan. All of the above. <laughs> um but uh, like just getting all the stats, uh, yeah, we had 17 different pieces of flock merch uh, that we sold uh, in the season. Um, fun stat was that so Forward Madison obviously sold more merch than any other team. They were, you know, it was the highest grossing merch sales of any side in the league. Um, apparently, the number two team would be the flock. Uh, <laughs> Which sold more in merch than any other team in the league. Uh, you we can't make this stuff up, people. <laughs> we discovered that between the flo- the main flock uh, social media presence and the four supporter groups, uh, that we uh, accounted for 54% of all social media impressions among supporter groups in the league. Um, Can I just say, uh, in my day job as financial advisor... Uh, many of you people should be saving that money and not just spending it all on flock merchandise. Dude, we're working on a ways so that I can just have my direct deposit go to the club. They pay my utilities and my mortgage, <laughs> send me the merch, and give me some walking around money with whatever's left over. I think, that I, mean, was, I think that's de facto that, what we're doing now. That, that was the, the financial plan in Bialystok, was it not, Neil? <laughs> yes, but yes Producer mine was voluntary <laughs> producer hannah just called it the flock ira <laughs> uh, so she has the meaning, trademark don't on that. Ret- meaning don't retire yeah, because you're then never, you can't afford you're never flock going, merchandise you're never going to be able to retire i think my well, i saw a stat because they were live tweeting this um 11 uh, at, uh, at 11 of our 17 away matches we had fans mm-hmm. i mean that's, that's yeah. crazy that's incredible it's crazy incredible and and, you know, you have Flamingos, you have Wasatch Mingos, even though they appeared on the other podcast, at some point we would like to, I think, have them as yeah. guests on this podcast. I do want to say at the very at the end of the match on Friday night, the one guy from the Wasatch Mingos had a full beer after the game was over, which I, at first I was like, wow, that's really thinking ahead. And then I was thinking, I wonder if that was for Turbo, just in case we got a late goal, which also thinking ahead. Good thinking. Yeah. Good thinking. So I like ahead. that guy. Yeah. Shout out. Yeah. Anything else from that? Uh... Well, I thought um, it's probably your job to make the segue, but if we're talking about the fantastic merch, that sort of plays into my uh, fa- you know, fashion forward uh, or how we all wear pink in Madison. One thing before that. Oh, sorry. You got an award, Mike. I did. What was the award you got? Uh, best newbie uh, for the random guy who showed up. Uh, and then never left, <laughs> which I love because like that's what this like yeah. this was the dream, right? The dream was like people showing up to a match for whatever reason and being like, well, that was fun and that was really different. And this is a great way to support my city and then just coming every week. And, and so and now you, you claps for your Mike, first match awesome. was with some of your coworkers I brought some uh, quite a group of friends because I needed some people to explain to me how men's soccer works. Because uh, 
prior to this uh, experience, I had only ever watched women play soccer. Uh, they're very good at winning that. Um, I, I'm a big supporter. Uh, actually, my and my little sister went to an all-girls school that was a feeder school to Santa Clara University. So when I was a senior and she was a freshman, I had to drive around a bunch of girls to different events who ended up like being on the Olympic team. Um, nice. And the, those girls would be allowed to talk about their playing careers, unlike yes. you and I, Dan. Yeah, Correct. yeah, yeah. They're all now coaches because we're old. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, no yeah. offense, Neil. But yeah, I brought a group. Uh, brought a group of friends to help explain, and then to have a posse there because you know I was trying to impress a guy by showing that I was showing up to the soccer match. Uh, he wasn't impressed. He didn't notice. And he doesn't seem to go that often, but I'm always there. So. And the flock was impressed. The flock was apparently impressed. <laughs> and it's great, you know? I mean, I spent Friday night with the flock, Saturday night with the flock, Sunday afternoon with the flock. I wasn't planning on joining a cult this year, but at least I picked the right one. <laughs> well, and so Saturday night in the flock, like, now that I know you have a, you know, an interest in, in voter rights, you have an interest in, in men's and women's soccer, primarily women's, and fashion... I think we're on all the same mailing lists. Quite possibly. Like the Venn diagram of interests, the people that occupy the center of that are very small. And you talked about financial planning earlier, <laughs> setting up a, some sort of direct deposit. Exactly. The- it's all it's all coming together, Dan, my master plan. <laughs> but you, we, we brought you on because uh, the gala was Saturday night, and that was a great demonstration of, of flock fashions. It was it was truly mind blowing. Uh, so the only instructions were dress to impress and do something flamingo themed, and people ran with it in so many ways. Uh, we had uh, I I do feel like uh, a certain website that sells men's neckwear owes me some free ties for influencer because I saw literally every version of the flamingo tie uh, that I recommended on the Facebook page. Uh, I won't name them until they send me some free ties. Um, so we got to get you an Instagram. Do you have Instagram? Uh, someone set it up for me once. <laughs> <laughs> because but, uh, I, I mean, influencer. And then I hopefully uh, it wasn't Keith because it would be a really poor name that wouldn't actually like relate to what you're trying to do. Because our Mike Twitter handle, Qu- I think it's just my name. Mike, yeah, Mike Quito misspelled with yeah sixteen twelve and after like, yeah, it. yeah the numbers nice. at the end. Nice. Our yeah. Twitter handle is just, just terrible. terrible. I admit that. I've but been I engaging like it. more with Twitter now that you know. We We've got all the the Flock social media presence, and I uh, mentioned one of the U.S. men's cricket players because he got a fiver playing for uh, uh, Barbados in the Caribbean Premier League, and he replied to my saying it was fantastic, and now he follows me. Nice. Very Uh, nice. Very big deal in the U.S. men's cricket. cricket. (laughs) That's an off-air. I'd be curious. To That's, see we record about. that pod on Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm here. Yeah. Uh, that really popular. If you ever need me to do our, the our eight drive, hour long, yeah, you know. our, our drive for forward Madison cricket, the yeah. Sticky Wicket yeah. podcast. <laughs> Sounds uncomfortable. But yeah, but, I, everyone showed up. Like, brought their A game. Um, uh, Sarah like made a fascinator out of beads and feathers herself. Uh, there was a lot of creativity. Some and just a wonderful event. Rabinia Courtyard gave us fantastic food. Uh, it was just such a warm, cordial. Uh, uh, it was a family dinner. Yeah, uh, for the end of the season, uh, and we 
everybody looked great. It was a lot of fun. Check the Facebook page uh, for a lot of pictures that are of the, I don't think I can do them justice with a description, although as your fashion correspondence, maybe I should have uh, <laughs> prepared for that. Um, I, who would have thought that a we, we now description have an, of clothing would be part of this gig? We now have an official fashion correspondent for the pod. We're moving up in the world. Yeah, I'm kind of feeling like that episode of Absolutely Fabulous where Patsy goes on TV and all she can think to say is you can never own too many uh, scarves, hats, and shoes. <laughs> Which never. is on my list of things to tell you. So <laughs> Great show. <laughs> what we wanted to ask about is if you want to go Flamingo in style, what are your sort of recommendations going forward yeah so i brainstormed a couple of thoughts i also should make a disclaimer that as a city of madison employee the pink plastic flamingo has been our official city bird for a decade so i have i those of us who work for the city got a decade head start (laughs) on buying bling with flamingos on it uh so don't feel bad like if, if you're if this is your first year randomly typing the word flamingo into amazon to see what comes up Welcome. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. No, no, go ahead. But I was saying uh, one good suggestion would be to blend official merch with coordinated items. So, like, if you want to wear the blue kit and some pink jeans, right? So you, not every item has to be the branded uh, flock or, or, or like side that. stuff. But using, you know, your official piece as a, 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 an a kernel yeah, around which to build a snowflake. No. Uh, <laughs> Scratch all that, whatever. I want some Oyster popcorn. spit pearls, yeah. something. <laughs> um, or, uh, you know, like the pink kit, and then you wear your uh, flamingo embroidered, embroidered seersucker shorts from Brooks Brothers, mm-hmm. you know, as one would, right? If that's you don't have, like, that's what they're for. If you don't have flamingo embroidered seersucker shorts from Brooks Brothers, are you really living? I expect uh, that maybe Brooks Brothers should be sending me something as well now that I accidentally dropped their name on the pod. Um, yeah. Um, but then also have a strong assortment of flamingo accessories. And, like, folks at the gala, there were flamingo ties on every man's neck. It was fantastic. Um, there were some flamingo cufflinks on shirts. Uh, there, fl- I saw flamingo shoes on men and women. You had flamingo bow tie and cummerbund? Yes, I did. Uh, pink tie, as it were. Uh, you know, because you need that with your tuxedo, obviously. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Pink feather boas are always a statement piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just a darn good idea. Uh, you can't own too many shoes, so get some more pink ones. Um, you can't own too many pairs of flamingo socks. I've got three. You, you that is not enough. I think I got to be in the top. I think five you need, percent. I am wearing flamingo no seams now, oh which is gosh. kind of a waste because they're called <laughs> no seams. But I had to buy them anyway. I can confirm, and they are fire. Yep. Uh, every gentleman needs a flamingo tie. I have one. Every lady needs a flamingo hat or fascinator. Every gentleman needs a flamingo hat or fascinator. Every lady needs a flamingo tie. This is <laughs> uh, so. Just go to your favorite retail website, type flamingo in the search bar, just see what shows up. Uh, there's uh, so much product out there, and just uh, have a blast with it. And then if you missed the gala on uh, on Saturday, we were talking at it and started plotting that maybe early spring when it's still cool enough to wear suits uh, outdoors uh, that we might have to declare a flock formal night. Uh, So you would definitely have a second bite of the apple. Actually, that would be your third bite of the apple because coming up is... Well, so one of the reasons we had Mike on the pod is for the pod off, we wanted to have uh, a fashion show. And I think Mike 
sets the standard to the to which the rest of us aspire. Correct. Uh, has in the past volunteered his time to show people how to uh, tie their flamingo bow ties for National Bow Tie Day, and so we were going to have him judge a fashion contest at the pot off. And there may be prizes. There may be uh, you know things, and so probably uh, a charity component to it as well yeah. to participate in. The fashion yeah. show. You have to have to donate, maybe. And, uh, I, and I, I'd say that you know this, the this idea, it all started. I, I think I saw you at one of the earlier matches in the like Bermuda shorts blazer. Oh, my short suit. Uh, yeah, yeah, ensemble. And I think I was like, oh my god. And gosh. then there was some other guy wearing the exact same suit. Yes. which was like, oh my god. But I got a How picture. And I was like, can I take a picture? Girl the ball is wearing the same dress. Because this is like all in like the early days. Like what? Like people just started showing up wearing awesome. And I'm like, this is cool. And like I kind of like to wear funky stuff. And and then, I mean, I think you're, the romp hymns. The romp hymns were fun. You and Mark. Yeah. Mark Bing, I believe. And we, I did walk down into his office to make sure we weren't getting the same one. Because I hit, you know, one, once bitten, twice wise. And I, I have shown, when people are like, what's it like in the flock end? I go, hold on. And I go through <laughs> my pictures and I'm like, pretty much that. It's pretty much that every week. Um, and I remember saying, nice rompers. And you said, uh-uh-uh. That is a romp him. Oh, I did. I embrace romper. Uh, oh, maybe it was Mark is the one maybe who's a bit Mark. hung maybe up about gender or something. <laughs> the the final thing I want to say is Mike has I think settled the tuck or untuck debate. He's untucked, clearly. Well, so I I lose. We should probably provide some context that <laughs> that is for the rugby polo from the flock. Otherwise, you're a fan of tucking. <laughs> there is yeah. That is let's not get too. Uh, <laughs> We segued from gender a little too quickly. Uh, yeah, like, let's, let's be clear that this we is a into, broad. We have covered all we're of. We're talking Mike's, about my shirt, okay? Mike's personal yeah. life. Uh, did want to drop in. We had Optali up top about dating. Uh, want to have uh, one final Optali stat here uh, before we go, and then we also need to listen to Optali here. This is Optali coming to you live via recording once again this week with some of the most important stats and numbers I've ever seen. Friday's draw moved forward up to 40 points on the season. This ensures that a win and a point total of 43 would get them into the playoffs for their inaugural season. Looking back at inaugural seasons of the past, the first MLS season in 1996 featured a 32-game schedule compared to forwards 28 games. But, even their record of 40 points in 27 matches so far would have been good enough to qualify for the playoffs over three of that year's eight playoff teams. That first-ever MLS crown was captured by D.C. United, who also featured in the first game, which they lost 1-0 to San Jose. That goal came courtesy of U.S. soccer legend Eric Winalda. His goal would go on to win the first Goal of the Season award, while his wife would go on to bone John Harks. Harks is now manager of USL League One Greenville Triumph, a potential playoff opponent for forward. Everyone in Madison will be hoping he doesn't screw us next. Well, I think that covers everything notable this week. Enjoy the stats, everybody. And then we didn't cover Neil's bar. Which I think is going to be an oldie but a goodie, but it's got a different twist to it today. Yeah, based on day of the week. So uh, it was yesterday today yeah it was yesterday i think Sunday. most of neil's bars of the week come on sunday i think that's just because we you tape did. on mondays <laughs> the one he remembers <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> most recent 
Yes. Oh, most yeah. recent. So uh, very, very close in location to the Give Me Some Truth podcast studio. Um, just up the hill, our bar. The VB. What's it, what's it called, Keith? It's the Village Bar. And on Sundays, it turns into a different animal. I um, would like to thank my bartenders, Jim and Patrick, for being such great um, providers of interesting and unique cocktails and beer selections, along with unique um, deliveries on the classic liver sausage sandwich and free cheese on plates all day. <laughs> Paper plates, I assume. Styrofoam. Very and nice. uh, saltines, right? Did not get the saltines. Okay. Because um, I know you can get like the cheese board there, and it's like cheddar brick and American, and you get <laughs> and you get saltines. I think with it. But yes, great experience. Thought I was going to go for an hour, have a few with a with a lady friend, and that turned into a, a session, so they say. <laughs> Excellent. We're we're big fans of of the village because that's where we're going to head up the hill after this podcast. Uh, before we go, Dan, any last words? No, I think this was uh, a much better podcast because producer Hannah was here to actually record the levels and our voices and our guests, which we will then edit down and we will put out on the air. And if you're hearing this, this went way better than last week because Keith, uh, you know, he dropped the ball. I I don't want to say there's a conspiracy, but there was a conspiracy. Or it was just a blatant own goal. Shh. So that so, means my whole tucked thing is gone. <laughs> we will we will make sure there will be a dramatic reenactment yeah. of the we're gonna, uh, tuck, yeah, if we have no to, tuck what, whatever, discussion. Whatever happens, we're going to get tucked, no tucked into the podcast. There will be a uh, interpretive dance at the pod off. <laughs> oh, uh, So November 9th, circle it on your calendars now. Fashion show, birthday cake, voter registration, uh, behind the backwards I think we're calling it, mm-hmm. since we're going to be teaming up with Cuba, who uh, th- I'm going to hear more about the, the dog saga. So if I come in f- especially fired up next week, Cuba, you'll know why. Uh, but Cuba, you're you're dead to me. Nobody knows what the dog saga is, Keith, because that was the podcast last week. So way to end our podcast on a joke that no one will get except for me, because that was last week's podcast. Those are the best jokes. <laughs> it's, so, it, it's the lacuna of understanding that makes the literature. Somebody else went to grad school in this room. (laughs) Until next time, we say forwards, not backwards. Upwards, not forwards, but always twirling, twirling, twirling towards freedom. And untucked.